Uh, so welcome everyone. I'm here with Phil Moore. Uh, Phil uh, was the director of a school known as Upland Hills for 45 years. And during those years at the school, developed a love-based uh, approach to childhood education uh, that I think is more important today than ever. Uh, I had the opportunity to visit the school on a number of occasions, and I saw firsthand the way that students were engaging with each other, uh, the way the children were engaging with the adults, the way everyone was engaging with the natural world. Uh, and today, in our post-COVID-19 world, uh, where children are coming back to the classroom after having been away uh, for a couple of years, uh, are not used to engaging with each other, engaging with the adults in the school, engaging generally. So many of the insights that were at play in the Upland Hills School feel more important today than ever. So we're going to have a chance to speak about that uh, with Phil today, about uh, what it means to uh, provide children with a love-based education. We'll speak about insights from his book, which was called The Future of Children. Uh, we'll also speak about a, an upcoming three-day uh, online workshop, which is called The Future of Children Rewirement Training. Uh, so, Phil, thank you very much for, for joining me today. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be in your company, Jeff. Well, it's great to talk to you too, as always. And I wanted to start with the intriguing title of your workshop, uh, The Future of Children, Rewirement Training. Uh, what, what inspired you to offer that workshop? A number of things. You know, one of them was turning 65 and walking away from being the director of not just the Upland Hills School, but also Upland Hills Ecological Awareness Center. And knowing that I was in a new stage of my life and wanting it to not be retirement because I didn't want to be tired all over again. I wasn't tired the first time. And so uh, I, uh, I picked up the term rewirement to mean something having to do with what happens in this stage of eldering. But I realized as I started using the word more, we're all rewiring, you know, and if we keep being curious for our entire lives, which is the whole point of a love-based education, is to take something as simple as curiosity and creativity and really fuel it when you're a child and then keep that alive until the time that you drop your body, you know, then you're always rewiring. If you stop, you know, then a certain kind of atrophy occurs. You know, you're just not as curious or you're not seeing as many people or you're not that interested or you're wanting to live in a community where it says no children allowed. And there are communities like that all over the world. <laughs> but if you're like I am, somebody who, as I realized when I was using the word over and over again, that I began my rewirement when I encountered the work of uh, Richard Buckminster Fuller. And it was in that encounter that I began to understand that Bucky was 
teaching us how to think in context and always giving us the largest context to learn within. And that had never occurred in the traditional schooling system that I was in. And the things he was saying, like it's really what happened on the sea that created our species, not the land-based communities. So when you say, okay, it wasn't Egypt and it wasn't Greece or it wasn't Babylonia, it was somehow on the seas or on the ocean, your whole life begins to, wow, what were we taught? How were we taught? And, and you begin to rewire to a new worldview. Hmm. When I was just 20 years old, um, I joined something called the World Game in Carbondale, Illinois. And it was Bucky's invitation for us to, to play an, an infinite game, a game that was, was, uh, was languaged in this way. To make the world work for 100% of humanity without disadvantaging the natural world. There were maybe about 32 or 34 of us who were answering that call and showed up in a very hot summer in Southern Illinois. And for six weeks, we played world game. We tried to understand what could we do, this small group really on the margins of everything, <laughs> in age range probably between 16 or 17 may have been our youngest, all the way up to in the 80s, you know, and what could we do on behalf of this infinite game? How, how would we organize ourselves? What would we do? And I would say my rewirement really began then, when I'm with a small group of people in a very strange place, Southern Illinois University is in Carbondale, and at a very hot time, the summer at that time of the year, I mean, it was really hot. And so I, uh, I began my rewirement there, and then I got to test all of my ideas about the initiative that I wanted to take with a group of people. And that was Upland Hills Learning Community, the Ecological Awareness Center and the school. And, uh, and then I got to test things like, is, is everybody born a genius and de-genius by unfavorable circumstances? Which was something that Bucky said. And then I wanted to practice love as Bucky defined it as the omni-inclusive, progressively exquisite understanding and compassionately attuned to other than self. That's a Buckminster Fuller statement about love and unpacking that and then testing it with kids and with parents in a, in a small, beautiful part of a forest in uh, Northeast Oakland County, you know, was what my life was about. And so rewirement has, has come to mean a lot to me because I see it as both a physical thing in our brains. I see it as an emotional thing, the way when we find our way to our soul's code, it really creates a whole different set of emotions about how you experience the world. I see it as a, as a thought thing, you know, in terms of really trying to language experience that leads to greater possibilities. You use a term that I love, becoming artists of possibility. And really that's exactly what we were doing in that world game. We didn't know what our canvas was, how we were gonna do what we were gonna do, what mediums we were gonna use, but we all wanted to believe that our world could work 
for all of humanity without endangering the natural world. And then of course, if you really get that far into rewirement, it's all spiritual. It becomes this, this new dimension that you live in. And that new dimension is just filled with possibility. And for children to be, and I'm so glad that you mentioned your visits, because I remember um, really clearly <laughs> the way that the Greeks call Kairos time, you know, in a vertical dimension, you being at the school during that graduation ceremony. And even afterwards, when we were sitting at a little picnic table, having a conversation and a boy who I didn't know who it was, was so happy to see me that he wrapped his arms around me as I was talking to you. And I thought, wow, what an amazing experience, not knowing who it was who was hugging me. And you just talked about COVID-19 and kids coming back to school. And I have to say that my colleagues in traditional school settings are really limited in terms of being able to touch children. And I see this as an enormous loss for a, for a teacher to not be able to console a child who is really sad or hurt emotionally or physically and to have in her mind or his mind, no, I can't touch this child. It is one of the things that is making it so hard to be a child at this time uh, that we're in right now. And you did allude to the fact how difficult it is and schools like ours are, are more needed than ever before. And I believe, believe that's true, which leads to why am I doing this? I've been playing the infinite game since 1970. I have no desire to set it down. It's not like I'm going on to another game at this point in my life. And, and I, um, I get opportunities like this so that even if 10 people just show up on that beautiful weekend in the end of April, you know, it's still, I'm in motion and I'm doing things that are risky and we're risking time and talent and treasure, but what are we risking it for? Why are we risking it? to bring more love-based initiatives into the world. And that's what this rewirement training is about and the possible coaching that could come after it. Mm. And I know that's a long answer to your question, but I just wanted to try and tie rewirement to playing an infinite game to children who cannot do what that child did to me on that day that you and I were having a conversation. And I'll tell you, I can still feel that hug. Mm. I remember I was no longer the director. I actually was the director of the school for 43 years, but I was still there, you know, and I was still on the grounds. This little boy didn't really know me as anything other than the one who plays the guitar sometimes in front of the kids and leads us in song. And he was so, uh, so much of an introvert that he, when he first came to us, could hardly give eye contact to someone else. And that hug, when I turned around and saw who it was, that hug was miraculous. Now he was saying, thank you maybe for keeping the school alive for me to be here. Mm. Maybe he was saying, I love that song, Land of the Silver Birch, when you sing it. Who knows what he was saying? All I know is I can still feel it. Mm, that's nice. Uh, and when I was there at that time, 
<clears throat> I remember telling you that, you know, people needed to know about this. Uh, so what struck me the most, and sometimes over years you remember, you, like you remember that hug. I, I remember the graduation ceremony. And what I remember most was, uh, first of all, how many people came. How many people came who really weren't family members of the graduates, who were alumni of the school, friends of the school. Uh, and I remember how the children from, from the, the oldest, the ones who are graduating, to the youngest, the ones who were just starting, they all had a relationship. Uh, you know, they, and there was this, there was a real sense of community, of people belonging and caring about each other and about the whole uh, in a way that you just don't see in schools generally. Um, and I remember thinking, well, this is great that it's happening, you know, but it's, out here in in the beautiful setting of of rural uh, Michigan, I guess, and more people, you know, how many people are going to hear about it out here? <laughs> um, and so you wrote a book uh, to let people know about it, and now you're doing this uh, this training, which I think is just fantastic. Um, and you know, you speak about rewirement. I often use the language of paradigm shifting. I think. They're essentially talking about the same thing. Um, it's a it's a different mindset. It's a different way of thinking about life, about children, about everything. I and mean, this is why I guess ultimately it becomes spiritually because it spiritual because it is literally a different way of viewing everything that leads to uh, an educational system like that which was in place at Upland Hill School. Um, so would you say that in the training, the so it's rewirement training. I mean, I think that's a very fascinating uh, phrase. Is that, by that, do you mean essentially a, a training that will rewire you into a different worldview? Yeah, that's our aspiration, is to try to create something that uses music and obviously when you're together on a retreat you're you know you're in a in a very special container when you're doing something on zoom you have the advantage of being able to reach into places that you can't travel to that easily um, but you don't have that in-person situation but we have been on zoom now as as a global culture for a couple of years if not many more and we're learning how to do things that are creative based on the medium mm -hmm. so we're going to be using music we're going to be using storytelling we're going to be using dyads and breakout rooms and then we're going to have special guests for each of the eight modules and really i i see it as and we designed it i had a beautiful team of four other people. So there was a Pentagon. There were five of us that were designing this. I've designed it so that um, that it would be really dynamic. And what we're trying to communicate is the felt experienced 
of what it is like to be loved into being and to activate the eternal child in each of us or the sacred child in each of us. There's something that remains intact. And we know this from traumatic experiences as well. That we, we know that there's something that lives in a child, even when you're an adult. And sometimes it's the thing that takes Viktor Frankl through the horrors of the Holocaust mm. to be able to write an amazing book about meaning in life. You know, that it's because of Anne Frank's, you know, in, incredible optimism and, and beautiful spirit that her words reach us and connect with so many people over the generations. There's something that stays alive. And that's really what we hope that each of these eight modules, each module is about 90 minutes. Each one has a different guest. There'll be lots of people. Well, we have some of the guests come from our student body. So they're now adults doing things like designing and engineering rockets that are going to other worlds. But also there are people who are living very wild lives. So the woman who's going to be with us for the, the, the module called Wild, there, she just lives an extremely wild life in, in that way. And that eternal child is active in her as a mother, as a grandmother, as someone who's gone through a recent divorce, as a person of color who was adopted by white parents. I mean, there's so, so you can see that each module will have that. And because we're doing dyads, we're forming bonds. You know, it should be said to the viewers of this that you and I formed a bond in very much that way when we were doing unique meditation practices. And once you keep investing in bonds, you know, we're not talking about government bonds anymore. We're talking about these beautiful friendships that are, are, are kind of cosmic and mystical in so many ways. We keep investing in bonds, you know, that's what we're hoping to create with the, the audience who is there as a part of us and for people to find their tribe. Mm. I get it. Now, so, so this brings me to something that I wanted to ask you about, which is, um, so I think sometime in the 1970s, you got involved with Upland Hill School, which was, I think at that point, more or less a homeschooling project. Uh, and then over the decades, as the director, you grew the school, built buildings, started the uh, Ecological Awareness Center, had uh, fascinating guests coming. Uh, you know, you were creating a whole community. And that's what I felt when I visited. It wasn't just a school. It was a whole community. There were parents involved and children were involved and, and the teachers were involved and just a lot of people were involved. And you were providing education, not just for the students, but also for the entire community in different ways. Um, and, and as I said, it's a magnificent model uh, that I definitely feel that more people should know about. And now, over the last number of years, you are no longer the director of the school, uh, but you are bringing that model you know, as a message out beyond the 
beyond the confines of that one location. Uh, and you are, uh, I think, inspiring people to not just to uh, not just to the to the view of a love based education, but I think at times to e using those principles of a love based education in currently existing schools, or even uh, creating new schools. Uh, so I would love to hear you talk about your mission to bring more love based schools uh, into manifestation. Well, I've I've uh, amended the idea of schools just because there's so many things shifting in this educational paradigm. And so if you call something a school, you know, an initiative a school, then you already have triggered, you know, whatever the local politics are, you know, and also the national politics and the global politics. And you mentioned our school as being a homeschool, but actually it grew out of the free school movement. And we were in 1971 and 1972, the first year of our school, we were, uh, we were outliers who were saying, and, and, and there were laws that said every child had to go to school. You could not homeschool legally in the 70s. The homeschool movement occurs after that. So we have to have a school. So we have to, you know, abide by all of the constraints related to becoming a school. And luckily now you can do lots of initiatives that aren't, but there's nothing more exciting than, um, and you're, you've alluded to it a couple of times, growing a culture. And this is something that, um, that I have, half a century of experience in. <laughs> that doesn't mean I know a whole lot. It just means I have a sense of what it takes in terms of showing up and what it takes when there are really enormous challenges, whether it be the death of a child or whether it be accusations about trespassing in the sexual territory. I mean, you, you, have, to, you have to encounter and, and weather the most severe storms during a time like 50 years. So it's growing that culture. And, um, and one of the beautiful things that happened, thanks to the uh, publishing by Emergence Education Press of the Future of Children, is a woman read it in Martin, South Dakota, who was a principal of an elementary school on the Pine Ridge Reservation. She quits because she thought if she was the principal, she could create you know, significant change and, and blend the tribal wisdom into the school system, but she was hitting her head against the wall. So she quit, read the book, and then got excited, reached out to me. We did some coaching for a period of time, and then she opened a school. Now, when that happens, <laughs> and you get pictures from the Pine Ridge Reservation of these amazing children smiling and being held by the grandmothers, the unchis of the community, there's nothing that brings more joy to somebody like me mm. um, to see that kind of thing. So yes, you know, I would like to work with a, with a small group of people over a period of a year and have retreats the way that you hold meditation retreats. Only these retreats would be about deepening that 
rewirement process and focusing on the contextual things that that really shift the educational paradigm. So in the rewirement training, at least we'll have 90 minutes residing in each one of them, you know, mm. whether it be creativity or whether it be wild or whether it be the sacred bubble of childhood or multiple intelligence will be staying in that bubble for those 90 minutes. That's the beginning of rewirement. But I would uh, love nothing more. I can't, I can't imagine anything more fulfilling as a teacher and a lifelong learner than being in in a in a really close relationship with a small group of people who want to create love-based initiatives but i would like to say that the love-based initiative initiative could be as strange as my friend tim yonagan who invented a soccer ball that you can't destroy and is in every well i can't say every in many refugee camps all over the world where a real soccer ball would be deflated within a matter of days or hours or minutes. And that's a love-based initiative, that ball. Mm. He and Sting combined to get it made. And now it's all over the, the planet. And that allows children to play. Mm. There's nothing more important than play in a love-based school. You know, and I would say friendship is also extremely important. These are the things that we'll touch on. And again, I'm I'm answering this question in the, in a long-winded way, but it's just I've been rewired by Bucky, who was a comprehensive thinker and could always see the connections between something like, well, the ball itself is an artifact of a love-based education, mm -hmm. just like a classroom that's a geodesic dome rewires the children to think very differently because we're inside of a sphere when we're working there. One of those children decides because there's a wind generator connected to the dome that he's going to grow up to be a, an adult who's in the wind industry. He's now in the leading edge of the wind industry. You know, so you you can never tell. And uh, and the other comment I wanted to make about nobody knew about it. One of the things that happened in 1973 when we put up a wind generator was the Arab oil embargo. And when that happened, there were long gas lines all over the planet because of OPEC and because of what was going on at that moment. We had already just installed a, a, a two kilowatt Dunlight wind system connected to our geodesic dome. At that moment, the phone starts ringing. And so we had publicity from all over the world, from a National Geographic that sent out reporters to do a school bulletin about this school that anticipated, you know, so there were moments in our in our story where it became global, you know, mm. that things that we were doing. The initiatives we were taking, we were not anticipating the Arab oil embargo. Mm. However, we were spending a good portion of the teaching budget to create a wind-powered geodesic dome. And as I just gave you the story of Jesse, <laughs> and, and, it, and it influenced that indus industry and is still influencing it to this time. That's wonderful. Um... So the vision that you described of a small group of people uh, involved in bringing forth 
love-based initiatives. You know, it sounds like a maybe a natural evolution of the infinite games that you started with long ago. You know, the the you know, you could take you could use you could you take the phrase infinite games and replace it with love-based initiatives and probably you'd be talking about the same thing. Would you agree? I would agree. Uh and <clears throat> And then I guess one of the great potential outcomes of the rewirement training that you're about to do is that uh, some group like that begins to take shape. Yeah, that's my aspiration. And my team, who's been so terrific, you know, getting us to this point, is, is having some difficulty defining who the audience is, right? Who is the potential? Who are the potential people out there who might want to do that? And uh, and it's a mystical question. You know, I think that there's no way I could have anticipated that there would have been a Tim Yonigan out there to in, in, invent a ball that was going to create s- such a, a, a paradigm shift for all the children who are in communities that are, you know, in refugee centers or refugee camps that have that ball. You know, I know that they're not kicking a rock tied with uh, all kinds of uh, of rags around trying to play, you know, football. You know, they're 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 kicking a real ball that it, you know is is a great soccer ball, and they're laughing, mm. and they're they're in play wherever they are. You can see how that's a very powerful initiative to launch something like that. You know, I recently talked to a group of parents, uh, a couple in particular that have two children who went traveling with them during COVID and they sold their house in Seattle and uh, and decided to curate different parts of the world to ask other parents to come to that part of the world, learn about the world instead of spending your money on a Disney vacation. And for the poor parents who have spent money on a Disney uh, vacation, I'm I'm I have great sympathy and empathy for them because it's a very expensive journey. But if you, instead of doing that, you went to Portugal and you were curated under the auspices of this amazing imaginative couple, you would be learning about a new country. You would be interacting with all of the aspects of that country and you would be in Bali or you would be in Cornavarca or you would be in Lisbon or you would be, you know, and somewhere in the world doing that. I see that as an amazing initiative that's very loved based. And also, as I know your connection to community, creating a culture, growing a culture. How do you do that? You know, I can't say that I can teach you how to do that, but I sure can, can share stories and strategies that I think were very helpful mm. about how to do that. Mm. Beautiful. That's wonderful. So, so Phil, I um, I think I want to say thank you for talking with me today. And your uh, your book is called The Future of Children. The training is called The Future of Children Rewirement Training, and it's taking place uh, April 28, 29, and 30 via Zoom. Uh, I'll make sure that the link to the to both of those uh, are posted with this uh, with this interview, uh, this conversation. Uh, and I want to give you the chance to share any final words 
uh, as we close today? Well, one of the things that I needed to contemplate with my team was what would the last module be about and how would it work? <laughs> and so I would love to, to I'm still thinking about it, you know, but I do remember that um, uh, Michael Mead, who worked with Robert Bly and, and men's group, once said something about taking a, a small uh, saying, it could be a proverb, and then and walking with that for a year. Mm. And, uh, and I loved this idea. And so um, I think he suggested at some point, one of the ones that he was working with was love is the cure. And I thought, wow, that's a new twist. You know, it's not love is the answer. Mm. It's love is the cure. And I think uh, in the time that we're living in right now, and what I would love to do with that final 90 minutes, which who knows what it'll be, it'll have music, you know, it'll have some beautiful people who are, are guests for that particular module. It'll have a guided meditation. There'll be some things there to do the, the how do you integrate the rewirement? Uh, but there it will be led by this idea of homo universalis. What is, what, what is it that we are emerging into? What is possible for us you know, as artists of possibility? And that is to become a, a species worthy of the word homo universalis, cosmic beings connected deeply with each other, seeing the world not as either or, but as both and, and being connected to it all. Fantastic. Well, that's a beautiful sentiment to end on, Phil. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, again, the, the training is April 28, 29, and 30, and I'll make sure there's a link for anyone who's interested to find out more. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. <laughs>